0: Welcome back to the Back to Truck Up podcast. I'm Justin Supertruck Martin here with James Rooster Bowen. Hey, uh, today folks. We have our we have our good friend Gord McGill from Canada. How's it going, Gord?
1: Oh, good day, guys. Uh, thanks
0: for having me on. Been looking forward to this one. Uh, absolutely. I've known Gord for a couple of years now. We've uh, been going back and forth on Twitter for a while. How many counts are you up to now, Gord? Uh, <laughs> I think this is number four. We're uh, you know con- constantly
1: looking out for uh, Smokey the Bear the twitter twitter smokies are are thick and um we have to use all the tricks up our sleeve to avoid them well hopefully with uh, elon
0: taking over that'll be uh something of the past
1: yeah i'd I'd like to get my old ride back as it were this, this, this this,
0: this new one's a little lacking but anyway very common with truck drivers everybody's nostalgic about their old truck so all right let's get into the news here um so you're from canada And uh, we have this guy also from Canada. He was uh, trying to smuggle an Albanian family across the border. Rooster, what was that all about?
2: All right. Yeah, we had a a patriotism. uh, Canada's a very welcoming, opening country, they say. But, you know, you see what the border situation is there with the COVID rules. But uh, this uh, Albanian driver had uh, met up with a fellow countryman and talked with him, you know, and found out that his wife and children were... Kind of stuck over in Buffalo, New York. Uh, you know, this did take back in uh what December twenty and December twenty-one. They've been stranded in Buffalo, New York after the Canada and U.S. shut the borders to non-commercial traffic. Uh, filmed be a good Samaritan, he decided to take it upon himself to try to get his wife, the guy's wife and children across. So he attempted to smuggle them in a his truck across the. A uh, peace bridge, which connects Fort Erie with uh, Buffalo. So, as he was I've going been through, over, the border... I've been over
1: that bridge so many thousands of times. How many Albanians, how many
0: Albanians have you smuggled across?
1: Uh, I haven't smuggled any Albanians. <laughs> I smuggled a girl I was seeing from Missouri over in my car once.
2: <laughs> she oh. had some.
1: Uh, she she had she'd had some trouble with the law um in her younger days and i'd start oh that's I, I always fun par- yeah i'd met her at this party in california many many moons ago and she flew to buffalo and we basically did the same thing and i just borrowed my mom's car and i threw her in the trunk because i knew if they ran her name they would find she had a citation or some kind of issue in the u.s that they would deny her entry so yeah i wouldn't advise it to everybody i guess this fella got caught so um in terrible circumstances and i feel real bad for him because the whole you know um covid lockdown thing is we've reached levels of absurdity that like you know the uh the the famous absurdist writer albert camus would even be like rolling over in his grave with all the nonsense going on so
2: yeah i feel real bad for this guy yeah driver's name was andrea Zaffarati. Uh, yeah, you know, when you usually cross the border, sometimes you get it subjected to an in cab search. Well, unfortunately, he got he uh he, he won the lottery on that. And when the inspector was doing the check of the cab, he opened up the closet and he saw a uh some hair and a set of eyes looking back at him. That was the wife, and uh, kind of was wanting to know what was going on here. Well, when they ripped the cab apart, they found the two kids. Underneath a stack of blankets on the bunk. Well, <laughs> luckily for the driver, one of the Crown judges who actually felt sympathetic for him. Uh, Judge Cameron Watson out of the Ontario Court of Justice, St. Catharines, uh, uh, heard the case. You know, he was sympathetic to the plight of, you know, the COVID border lockdown and separation of families, you know, and You know, the Canadian pride of bringing people together, but unfortunately, no, it is still against the law, so he had to do something to punish the guy. Uh, Reading off the quote from the judge from the, the ruling, quote, perhaps this was a humanitarian act, want to help a fellow countryman and his family. That's commendable. People often help others from their home country to get into Canada. That's part of what makes Canada a great nation and a wonderful nation in which to live. Love and loneliness are no substitutes for lawlessness and truthless uh, truthfulness in this case, though. Uh Zephyrati was fined for breaking the Immigration and Refugee Act, the uh, crime the judge called a serious offense. Quote, it was a plan of lies and deceit, and it was a plan of intentional choices that were taken. <laughs> and it's an affront to all the people who have come to Canada and done it properly. So uh, you know, it was the a plan ending... <laughs> of uh, uh, can, can I
1: can I interject here? Go ahead. It, pl- it, it was a plan of lies and deceit and it was a plan of intentional choices that were taken. <laughs> I'm sorry. This guy could be talking about the prime minister.
2: Uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I, 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 hey, I got to stay apolitical in this stuff, but I would love mm-hmm. this trash Trudeau, you know.
1: Yep, yep, No, nope, carry well, on. <laughs>
0: and you got to love the double tie <laughs> because he, he says, oh, it's a humanitarian act, it's commendable, this is what Canada stands for, but then he still throws the book at
2: him. Well, yeah. not really. I mean, the dude got off with a $5,000 Canadian fine. The guy could be in the in the gulag. He, he could be up on those... I
0: guess what what could have been like a more harsher punishment.
2: Well, as far as I know, he didn't get his CDL taken away from him, so you know. Yeah,
1: I don't think they could have took his CDL because that's a couple of separate jurisdictions and different bureaucracies, and I don't think that would have applied. But given some of the fines that have been applied to people that are probably all going to get thrown out, and many of them have already, because they've been like. Giving people ten thousand and thirty thousand dollar fines for breaking quarantine and not, you know, following their, the the rules passed down from public health agency of Canada. Um, So I mean, five grand, yeah, probably could have been much worse. And like in real money, that's like thirty two (laughs) hundred dollars. Oh
2: yeah, real money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's
0: right. I forgot this is Canadian money. (laughs) Well, also like when you factor in like what people. Down here, oh, I say down here, where I'm in Jersey, but like people on the Mexican border, what they pay Mexican smugglers to smuggle themselves or their families into the U.S. I guess this is just, you know, this is like a parking ticket. Well, there's,
1: I mean, the, the, again, I mean, I, I don't want to get political, but like we have this issue. Canada has the same problem. Like there's refugees coming through south and central america to mexico to the united states and then into canada and there's been a whole bunch of like illegal border crossings oh um in quebec and manitoba and people just literally like walk across the border and then the rcmp show up and uh there's there's been very little i mean the the illegal immigration is a much bigger issue in the united states than it is in canada but in canada it does happen so like you know, if, if this Albanian guy had maybe was maybe a little bit more politically savvy, if he would have like told his, you know, his friend and their kids to like just walk across the border in Quebec where everybody else has been doing it, they probably would have been better off.
0: Well, I guess they were in a hurry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Next on the schedule, we got uh, DB Shanker buying a uh, majority stake in USA Truck. Rooster, what's up with that?
2: You've seen. Shinker incorporated trucks they got a they're like a gold kenworth gold peter built paint job up in the northeast oh uh, they're a relatively small fleet in the u.s and i really hadn't dug into db Shinker that much until now but apparently they are a global powerhouse they're uh rather large over in the over across the pond but they actually paid uh, over double stock closing price for USA Truck. 117% over the Thursday close. $31.72 a share. When you take in the amount of outstanding uh, assumed cash and the debt that USA Truck's carrying, they're paying $435 million for USA Truck. Uh, Board directors smiling ear to ear. They have long believed they have been undervalued by Wall Street so they're like yeah we'll take that so usa trucks is going to get is delisting himself from nasdaq they will be going back to being a private company a subsidiary i believe of db shinker is the plan i've reached out our good friend tim gwen evp over at usa truck trying to get him lined up for an interview to talk about it alongside a one of the one of the Freightways reporters, according to the Safer website, Shinker's fleet before now was only 139 trucks, 215 drivers. Now they can add in the USA Truck fleet of 3,175 trucks and 1,823 drivers. According to the Safer, uh, USA Truck was founded back in 1983 in Van Buren, Arkansas. The DB Shinker, they basically had a little headquarters built out up it's up in New York State so they have now a nice nicer office I believe out of USA trucks in the Arkansas well the weather will be better anyway yeah I don't know I don't know I don't know I I sometimes those Arkansas thunderstorms get pretty nasty you know that is in Tornado alley
1: it's interesting to me that Shanker's located in New York and I shouldn't be surprised because I before all of this news. I knew Schenker as a customs broker. Like, when you're crossing the border all the yeah. time, as I did between Canada and the U.S., you get to know the names of all the customs brokers that, like, do all the paperwork for companies that are shipping their stuff back and forth, and Schenker was one of the bigger ones. I didn't I didn't know they'd, like, started to dabble in actually owning their own trucks. I guess if they think they can make money at them, you know, f- fair play, but... Uh...
2: Yeah, well, DB Schenker is actually a subsidiary of Dutch Bond, which is the... Big giant railroad conglomerate over in the over in the European Union. Uh, they got ten thousand employees, one hundred twenty-three offices, uh, twenty-seven million in warehouse space. Uh, they're no they're no small kid. They're they're pretty big company. With a lot of widespread products. The quote James Reed, the president and CEO of USA Truck. We're thrilled to found a partner that appreciate USA Truck's rich history is closely aligned with our mission and values. And brings additional resources that we believe enable us to build on our nearly 40 year legacy of industry leadership. This transaction provides immediate and significant value for USA Truck stockholders, which still have to final do the finalizing vote, by the way. Offers broadened career opportunities for our employees, a complete uh, increased capacity and in service offerings with which to support our customers and better position our company to realize our long term vision. To become the premier North American Transportation Solutions partner. Well, not only are they a North American Transportation Solutions partner, they're now a uh, basically a worldwide, because they now have a connection to the EU, and uh, that nice, shiny new uh, Belt and Silk Road China is building up out that way, so yeah.
0: Are they going to keep the name
2: USA Truck, or are they going to change it to German Truck? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> i actually asked this is the main thing i talked. i wanted to talk with tim Gwynn. how does this affect their uh americans america's trucker charity that you know uh dooner and the dude just went to that big golf tournament out in virginia yeah you know? absolutely uh where are we going to be a global trucker now you know uh you know i hate globalism but you know it's part of how the supply <laughs> chain works yeah uh, it's funny you mentioned that i was
1: uh i was um trundling along Interstate 380 in Pennsylvania a few days ago um, in between 80 and Scranton. And uh, I, 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 saw, I saw a truck go by um, that said main freight on it. And it's the same logo as main freight, which is the one of the big freight companies in New Zealand. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, I, it was main freight. But like in the main freight logo in New Zealand, they have like the Kiwi flag and the main freight logo here has an American one. And I texted my buddy, one of my friends that lives in New Zealand, I'm like, "Hey, dude, I saw a main freight truck here." He's like, "Oh yeah, bro, they're set up in America. I've been for a long time. So like, the Kiwis got their fingers here too. So why not the Germans?"
0: Mm. One big, uh, one big pie, and everybody wants a slice.
2: Yeah, uh, well, you know, if you hang around certain circles, everybody believes the Germans with Australia after the World War II. So, uh, yeah, guess what? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think that was, I think that was Argentina. But that's uh, that's
2: another story. Uh, that was one of the that was one of the countries, you know, uh, Cuba, Argentina, Australia. Uh, yeah, we, more. Yeah, when do
0: we see the when do we see the Argentinian truck Argentinian truck show up?
2: Hey, I'm waiting for those uh, those flat nosed Scania's to start coming over. You know, uh, they're they're. Real popular design for the electric battery truck. So I got a feeling we'll see some European, some of those European designs over here pretty shortly.
0: Yeah. And some of these cities that, you know, newer drivers are going into now, you know, they need all the space they can get. You can't take a long nose Pete, you know, with a new driver into, uh, you know, downtown Chicago and hope to get it back in one piece. I'm I'm a I'm a cab over respecter. Uh, maybe not necessarily
1: a big fan of the European cab over aesthetic because I, uh, my first over-the-road rig was a C100 Kenworth. I quite like the Kenworth cab-overs. And, um, yeah, as far as maneuverability goes, man, when you get into a tight spot, they're uh, much easier to move around than a 379 Pete. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. My time, my two, my two years in a Freightliner Argosy pretty much ruined any, like... Oh, God. Well, <laughs> Freightliner, say no more.
2: <laughs> hey, that's all I've drawn over my <laughs> i've tried tried my best to get to a western star but never have i been able to do it
0: <laughs> yeah no nah, if it was just me driving the truck it wasn't too bad they didn't have power worth the heck but um uh, yeah trying to sleep in the bunk on that thing uh while it's rolling down the road you hit a, any pothole in the road you're, you're throwing out the bunk
2: what's that mercedes Benz engine that thing has never been a horsepower truck motor it's been always nah. been a fuel efficiency motor you know it's never had the that the high torque it needs. No, nah,
0: well, the company was based in California, so they kind of oh, needed it for that. But uh, in 2012, they got us brand new Freightliner Coronados, and man, that thing was smooth. oh even for a Freightliner, even for a Freightliner, that thing was nice.
2: Smooth. Yeah, yeah the the infamous ram air and ram air horn the the little horns on the side of the cab for the air injection. <laughs> All right, so CVSA's April brake check safety uh, results are in Rooster. Uh, what happened in, with that? Oh, uh, brother. You know, there's two big brake inspection days in, for CVSA, which is the Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance. They are in Mexico, U.S., and Canada. One is the un, un, unannounced brake safety day, which this year was April the 27th. But we also have Brake Safety Week, which this year, I believe, is August 21 through 27. Well, uh, We got the results in, and uh looks like uh, Brake Safety Week is going to be a pretty rough one since we actually had an increase in uh, violations. The number of inspections was 9,132. Out of those, we yielded a 1,290 out-of-service violation. Well, April 1st, CVSA amended the uh, the brake hose inspection guidelines. There used to be five categories, with Category 4 and 5 being both out-of-service. Now, they combine the Category five, 4 and 5 into just Category 4. The Category 4 violations, when the abrasion, cut, tear goes beyond the middle fabric braid in the hose you have your you know the texture layer you have that first uh black or white layer according if you're using a rubber or poly poly based hose then you have the you know that uh fiberglass braid reinforcement layer that is where you get the out of service violation if that's messed up Unfortunately, the extremely damaged hose category increased over by over 17% from last year. Not a good thing, guys. You know, they kind of gave us a heads up on this that we would be looking at brake hoses. So, you know, there's been no excuse to take your trip by the shop and have that looked at. <sighs> brake hoses are pretty easy to replace. I mean, you know, just need a couple
1: of wrenches and some of that uh, connector tape. And, you know, all you're doing is twisting brass. It's, you know, a pair pair of jaw pliers a wrench. And I mean, it's pretty simple stuff.
0: Yeah. When they break down these uh, statistics like this, I wish they would have a breakdown of whether these were company trucks or owner operators, because I would assume if you own your truck, you know, you want to keep it in tip top shape. But if you're a company driver, you know, I see it all the time. Guys just run down the road. It breaks. Okay. Now you wait for road repair.
1: Yeah. I, I can't do that. I like to keep everything, everything like, I mean, I haul logs now and you need, you know, that's, that's mission critical stuff coming down a mountain in Pennsylvania, somewhere with a load of logs or, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's mission critical everywhere, but like even yeah. more so for me. And uh, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of not having, um, you know, breaks in order. Um, I mean, I, I've been in the business long enough now. I know how to adjust my own slacks and, I'm pretty mechanically inclined. So I, I, I didn't get caught up in any of this stuff. I've got brand new brake lines from the tractor to the trailer. Um, I've got disc brakes on my tractor. So, I mean, I'll be interesting to see where all the, uh, in the next uh, brake inspection blitz, uh, how slack uh, there used to be a big deal. They may used to make a big deal back in the day about out of adjustment slack adjusters. And now that like, most tractors now come with disc brakes and a lot of trailers do too. And there's no more slack adjuster for them to check. So I'm wondering, wondering how that like plays out with the numbers in the next, brake uh, break bits.
2: Oh, Gord, hmm. you just had to ask. They have actually come out with a new way to mess with us. Quick quiz for everybody out there. Uh, how efficient does your brakes need to be to be uh, considered in service efficient efficiency man efficiency we hear it all how the do time you, how do
1: you how do you measure that i mean you can measure how much brake material is left on the pads you can inspect the linings of the drums
2: or the rotor as it were how, how what do they mean by efficiency well, they have these uh, nice what they call performance brake, uh, performance based brake testers. It's basically a looks like a car dyno that trucks get on to, and you know they bring you up to a speed. I believe it's 25 miles per hour, and they have you brake, and it measures the effectiveness of the braking system. Uh, basically, it uh, it takes the slow speed brake force and the weight of the axle. And divide it by the total weight to determine the overall vehicle braking efficiency. Uh, the North American out-of-service standard criteria, a.k.a. the little green books value, me, me needs you to be over 43.5%. If you cannot meet that value, the, well, they're going to put you out of service until you have a mechanic go over there and get your brakes with a hammer and magically fix it. Uh, During the brake safety day, the brake tests were implemented in 92 inspections, which yielded six out-of-service violations. Uh, Basically, what the inspector said is usually due to faulty slack adjusters, not maintaining enough pressure between the brake pad and brake drum. And they recommend even if you have those automatic slack adjusters installed, Please do a daily or even more frequent pump down of your brakes to make sure that the slack adjusters reset themselves. Huh. I
1: wonder. I wonder this Pete uh, performance based brake testers. You're saying so it's kind of like a dyno, um, not not a piece of equipment you can just easily set up anywhere. I would imagine.
2: Actually, uh, in the article, I linked the video from the Wyoming DOT where they actually have one set up. It actually comes put together in a tow-behind trailer, a two-piece unit, and, you know, they just uh, tow it out wherever they need it, drop it down in front of you, drive on to it, you know, bring it up to speed, stop, and they, uh, you know, I don't know if it has actual built-in violation ticket printer, but, you know hey oh, wow.
1: <laughs> that's, that's, actually, know, that's actually pretty crafty on their part to like just make it something you can hook up their pickup to and take it anywhere they want so like uh, given what you said earlier i thought it would have had to be like a permanent installation at a proper inspection or scale but if they've got it made mobile
0: that's that that's stepping it up yeah I mean, safety stuff aside these things are basically just giant revenue generators for the state. So this thing got how many let's see what was it? Ninety two inspections, six out of service violations. I mean this thing is, is gonna pay for itself over a weekend.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. Uh specs it speaking of specs and blitzes, there's been uh several going on. I know uh, don't know if Gord's been up I eighty one this week, but you know they uh the FMCSA had a big uh, FMCSA's had a big blitz up that up I eighty one from all the way from dangerous Tennessee all the way up to the Canadian border up there in New York, at the at the bridge up there. Uh, I,
1: sure, not I, sh- I sure have I sure I sure did see it. Um, I, I live like I, I yeah I'm Canadian, but uh, full disclosure, I live in the United States now. My wife's American, and I live not too far from Interstate eighty one. As a matter of fact, and um, anybody that runs that part of New York State will know that they've got a. Inspection station once you cross the line from Pennsylvania just south of Binghamton there at Kirkwood, which is barely ever open for some reason. But uh, where they really get busy is the uh, Preble rest area, which is in between Binghamton and Syracuse on the northbound side. And they've been ha- they have been they were having some party this week. I drove by there a couple of times going south because um, going north, I didn't go that way. Um, anyhow, and yeah, they were having quite a party.
2: Yeah, a lot of people. Uh... Guys that don't, haven't been up to New York, a lot of the uh, New York state patrols actually have uh, have their offices built into the rest areas. So at about 6 or 7 a.m., they'll just walk out of the office over to the rest area and start you know, checking trucks right there in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah, they,
0: they do the same thing in PA. when um, you know Outside of Philly, there's really no way station. So what they do is at the Welcome Center, they're on 95 as you're crossing the state line. They just wave every single truck in, and it's a, a giant loop. Around the rest rest area, and they just do like a visual, and as long as nothing's falling off your truck, you just keep going. But um, I guess they still find some guys because even even though I've have n- never been pulled in, uh, every single time they're doing one of these safety blitz weeks, I'll see six, seven, eight trucks pulled over, and they're just <laughs> going through with a fine comb.
1: Yeah, the uh, when you if you're going if you're going south on eighty one into Pennsylvania from New York, that first exit there, Great Bend Susquehanna, there's uh, a little little town there called Halstead. And uh, there's a Tim Hortons there, and all our Canadian listeners and maybe some North American or Northern U.S. listeners will know their famous donut and coffee shop chain in Canada. And I like to indulge in some nostalgia by going to the Tim Hortons in Halstead. And um, wouldn't you know it, I fi- I find myself on U.S. Route 11 coming out of Kirkwood instead of on 81, and I just kind of scoop behind the scale there and go get a coffee and keep going. <laughs> 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 I mean, I, guys, I'm Canadian. I got to go get my Tim Hortons. I'm sorry I <laughs> had to miss your rest area. It's terrible, I uh, know. Oh, is, is
0: there a Wawa nearby for the U.S. drivers?
1: <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure if there's any Wawas in northern part of PA. I think the northern half of PA is Sheets country. I think Wawas more south and east.
0: Yeah, they just put up a couple of new Wawas in uh, northeast Philly, and none of them have truck parking. And I'm, I watched them go from, like, the hole in the ground to the finalized building. And when they started putting the lot in, I'm like, Hmm, no truck parking. That's going to (laughs) suck. Yeah. Uh, As
1: I, as I recall it, the Wawa versus sheets thing in Pennsylvania is like uh, one of these weird brand competitions thing where like there's fans of each and like, you know, you, you deride one gas station and go to the other. And it's like this sort of weird Pennsylvania cultural institution.
0: Yeah, and there's also there's another chain called Rural Farms. Um, I oh. I would always stop by them. Like when I was in uh, Dover, Delaware, I like their their chicken tenders personally. They're pretty good. Over the real like Sheets was always more rural, and then Wawa is like ubiquitous. Like any gas station now is basically a Wawa. But I have, I have no brand loyalty to either one. It's just I just see more Wawas. You know, closer. to me. I have one within two minutes of my house.
1: Yeah, I don't I typically don't buy fuel in Pennsylvania because the tax structure is different in New York the price of fuel is
0: cheaper believe it or not hmm well gas used to be a lot cheaper in Jersey until about two years ago now it's pretty much on par with PA are they screwed? I mean it was it was it was significant you'd, you'd see like 30 35 cent difference does New Jersey
1: from... still have that law where they have gas jockeys that have to pump your fuel for yeah. you oh yeah oh yeah
0: yeah, it is. Jersey, it is Oregon. Yeah. Uh,
2: didn't didn't Oregon just overturn theirs, or is that still in the works? Last time I heard, it, it was still going. I hadn't heard of them. heard of an attempt to overturn it. Calls it a uh, okay. I think the guys were trying to unionize. Ah, so, you know, yeah. when well, they announce unionization, that stops everything in its track. With
0: this, uh, speaking of unionization, if you're trying to you know repair something on your own truck, I would tell guys this all the time. Working in the postal service as a driver, you're... Craft is tractor trailer operator. It is not mechanic. It is not, you do not fix anything on your truck. Say I get in the truck sometimes and the battery is, you know, has a loose connection. I I can't get into the box to, to fix it. If I were to take the battery cover off, pull out my own wrench, tighten it up, and then get going back on the road, if I don't get caught, fine. But if somebody sees me do it and then reports it, the guys in the other craft can file a grievance against me. I'll get in trouble and they'll get paid. So, <laughs>
1: wow. Bonkers. Yeah. Know
0: that. And, it, it's, and you just expand that to all craps. You know, if you uh, need to move a pallet around, you know, then you'll have the uh, mail handlers union, you know, file a grievance against you for trying to get stuff done. So all this talk about, you know, unionize this and unionize that. It's like, you really got to know what it is you're getting yourself into here.
2: All right. Also, not to be outdone, you know, there's always this big uh, competition between the interstates. You know, I-95 running from down in Florida all the way up in the Maine. Uh, they they're having a I believe us a three-day blitz. Uh, no, it's a week-long blitz uh, themselves going on. You know, this is basically you know just a general inspection blitz. Make sure everybody's doing their job. And well, speaking of competition, our good old US government, the National Highway Transportation and Safety Administration, they've actually gone on into a believe a three two or actually three week campaign uh looking for speeding and aggressive drivers going on from june twenty first to august the fourteenth so uh beware out there, yeah, so not just for commercial drivers it's uh four wheelers too beware. yeah that's uh all encompassing whooping yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, so you wouldn't think that a semi truck would make for the perfect getaway vehicle, but apparently there's a guy uh, in Arkansas that got away. Rooster, what happened with this guy?
2: Oh boy, oh boy. Let's let's go into the pa- mysterious past of Rooster here in a minute. Uh, when I first got into trucking back in 2004, I uh, filed an application with a company known, with, known as MS Carriers. You know, based out of Memphis, Tennessee. Jump on the Greyhound, the old grey dog take that uh you know day and a half long ride in the bus from south georgia over to memphis and uh when i get there there is no ms carrier to be found you know myself and about six or seven other guys are standing around the bus station you know waiting to waiting for a ride and there's this old beat up white chevy van across the street and guy looking around just as dumbfounded as we were and unfortunately had swift on the side and Finally, one of the guys walked over there and asked him what was going on, and he said, oh, yeah, Swift just bought an MS Carrier's, literally while, li- literally while y'all were on the bus. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I was like, damn, I didn't want to work for Swift, but, oh, great, might as well. So, yeah, over in Marion, Arkansas, if y'all guys know where that's at, it is right up I-57 up above West Memphis, head up toward Missouri. A guy goes into the Regions Bank, you know, old-fashioned classic robber style black hoodie mask work gloves work boots you know hint hint wink wink free stuff to give out at the driver training robs the bank put money in the bag takes off goes down the street and uh jumps into a uh what we what we believe to be a t680 kenworth blue blurry looking badge on the hood Kind of a big blurry uh, name badge on the door. So uh, we can't necessarily exactly say who it belongs to because nobody has come out to claim the truck. But police were able to use the built-in GPS tracking to find the truck. They're still out looking for the guy. So the joke has been, uh, unfortunately, on my old employer about who uh, who y'all guys hiring, you know. Those
0: are pretty important details, Rooster. You mentioned the gloves, I, you know, stuff I didn't even look at because I, I always buy my own gloves. Postal Service would give out free gloves to us too, but I, you know, my special hands, I, I like my nice uh, mechanic's <laughs> gloves. Um, so what do you think? This I honestly have no idea whether this truck was stolen or if this guy worked at Swift or, you know, obviously, you know, who knows? We can't even, can we even say this was a Swift truck or a Swift driver?
2: Uh, I uh, I don't think legal would be happy with us. You know, uh, don't know if Swift's doing any uh, advertising money for us right now or possibly candidate, <laughs> so, uh, don't want a sourdough's war. So we're not saying it was you guys, but it kind of dang sure does look like one of y'all's trucks.
0: Well, me- and also maybe the gloves were in the truck
2: uh they look to be brand new kind of clean gloves you know once you if you're a truck driver you're not going to have clean gloves for about as soon as you open that pack they're going to get immediately dirty yeah your first fill up they get uh
0: covered yeah i just can't believe they haven't caught this guy yet there hasn't been any updates uh this happens june 21st so they found the truck so uh oh good oh so was uh, it a
2: truck (laughs) they have not said (laughs) Ah, <laughs> oh. <laughs> they have not said. The police have not said. No trucking companies come forward to claim it. But you know, uh, like one of them, like one of them
1: hot potatoes.
0: Nobody wants to take ownership of. You know, I'm just surprised. No, like okay, if somebody owned that truck, you know, you would have somebody said, "Hey, my truck was stolen." And then the police would say, okay, hey, we found a truck and put those two together. But maybe this was a truck just sitting on the lot.
2: Well, for those that don't know, Swift does kind of use the the frontage road on fifty seven there, kinda of as part of or on the road of truck driving training. You know, they have a you know, big training school right outside there at uh and it's not Shelbyville, but it's like out in the outskirts of Memphis. Shelbyville. So they're near they're they're near Springfield then, isn't that where the Simpsons live? <laughs> <laughs> hey. Yeah, there's a, basically uh, it's. I think Roadmaster has school now, but it's right across the road from the naval the naval uh, supply station there outside of Memphis, and it's their old abandoned runway that Swift had that I I basically learned how to drive big truck on. And you know, you no know, nice, safe mile long football field wide area for you not to get hurt.
0: Gord, if you were going to rob a bank, what would you use as a escape vehicle? Um. Well, that's a good question. Um, Well,
1: I've never thought about that because I've never considered robbing a bank. Um, Man, you you know, you want something that melds into the background and that doesn't arouse anyone's attention. So like, you know, FedEx or UPS local delivery van would be a really good one because like there's zillions of them around. And how do they identify which one's got the thief in it? Right. Exactly. You want to meld into the background. Um, a, a Swift truck is uh, sort of similar. There's lots of them around, but like typically they don't show up at banks. So that might be a little <laughs> bit easier to, to, you know, but well, I mean, or maybe they do, you know, like I, I don't think those guys get paid a whole lot. So maybe that's what's going on here. You know, he's trying to sub- subsidize his wage somehow, um, which could be a good segue into our
0: next bit. Hey, eh, Justin. Absolutely. So being a former postal driver myself, I was paid over time. Uh, there's legislation that's trying to be passed now uh, before Congress to get all the other truck drivers in the country paid over time. Uh, does this look like it's uh, got any chance of surviving or, or is it what? just going to be dead as soon as it hits the house?
1: Well, you know, notwithstanding the representative who uh, first brought it to Congress and his yoga posing tweets the other day um, in the wake of the Roe v. Wade decision, which seems to have got him in some black, uh, I think it's got a good chance. Um, The only roadblock being the Senate. Um, Yeah. So I wrote an article about this in Newsweek. Um, Yeah. The legislation in question is called the GOT Act, GOT, guaranteed overtime for truckers. Um, uh, Contrary to the belief of some commentary I've seen out there. um, It's not part of another budget bill. It's not attached to any pork. Uh, There's no kickbacks for anyone. The text of the bill is one line and that's to remove an exemption under the Fair Labor Standards Act of 1938, which uh, exempts truckers from being paid overtime. Um, Everybody else in America, every other job, you have to be paid overtime after 40 hours and truckers do not. And that's the entirety of the bill is removing
0: that exemption. Um, Yeah. So this truck, this, this podcast is for truck drivers. So no surprise to most people listening to this, but the, there are still people out there that are surprised to hear that, you know, truck drivers one are not, there's no guarantee for overtime for them. And two, they work so many hours that they're actually restricted by law to not work more than 70 hours a week. Otherwise, absolutely. There are guys who would just keep running. In fact, uh, as we learned with uh, Leland Schmidt and his wife, Lisa, there are drivers who do get exemptions from that, but it's based on the type of freight that they're hauling, not, the actual quality, so to speak, of the driver themselves.
1: Sure. And one of the, one of the interesting, um, kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for. I, I made a comment on, uh, on Twitter that like COVID-19, right. You know, you know how they issue waivers for hours of service sometimes. Oh yeah. So there's been an oh, HOS yeah. waiver for COVID-19 now for running on two years that allowed guys to run as much as they want, depending on, You know, the list of freight that would fall under the COVID-19 pandemic necessity. We have to get this stuff moving. And yeah, you can help the country through this pandemic and run your ass off in order to help keep everything going. But you can't get paid overtime while you're doing it. That's a very interesting little paradigm there.
2: All right. Let me ask the, the magic question everybody's been putting out there how can you accurately charge overtime for an industry that pay uh, that charges for its services by the mile, not by the hour? How do we calculate the overtime? I have a very, very simple answer to that.
1: And they're called calculators. They're these little things where you can (laughs) type in how many miles do you normally drive in an hour? What's your cents per mile rate? And then you prorate it. Um, That question rooster. And I'm not, I'm not saying anything about you here. But that question, and that being like one of the number one responses people get, mostly from truck drivers themselves, belies a much deeper psychological condition, I think many truck drivers find themselves in, is that for so many decades, we haven't got paid overtime, we have so much of our time wasted in detention at docks all over the place, weather problems, whatever, like, our, our job is just rife with delays. And I think we've internalized that abuse of our time so much that like we can't even think of something better right so it's like we immediately become critical and there's another and there's another strain of this too many truckers in the US are of a conservative bent and that's fair enough you know i have my proclivities in that direction as well but like they think that it's a government handout by asking for better pay And the government's not actually giving anybody anything. The government's just saying, you guys are no longer exempt from being overtime here. We're trying to help you by making the people you work for actually pay you for the value of your time in the same way that they have to pay their other employees the value for their time. All it is is removing a disparity in time value, right? But again, truckers are so used to our time being not paid for, like through no overtime, through no detention pay, We've just internalized it. And like, we can't even bring ourselves to imagine what it's like to be paid properly,
0: right? Yeah, that is so true because, you know, I've been a driver 15 years and the last five years I was with the Postal Service. But for three years before that, I was a contractor with the Postal Service. So even contractors are paid by the hour. We don't make overtime. Well, the guy I drove for didn't pay us overtime, but any hours over so every day you're paid on my, on my route. You're paid 12 hours minimum guaranteed. So if I ran my butt off and I did the job in 10 hours, I got paid for 12. Great. So you're still incentivized to run as hard and as fast as you can because you're getting paid that minimum 12 hours. And if you're going over that time, you know the, the difference really isn't worth it in the. You know, instead of a 12 hour day, you have a 14 hour day.
1: Well, let's take, let's, let's take, you used a great word there, incentive, right? So one one of the, one of the ways in which I think this bill, if it does become law and the exemption gets removed and they have to figure out how to pay us overtime trucking companies should get creative right we've had this problem with detention forever it's never gone away even during covid when everyone was been worried about supply chains and how come this stuff's not moving fast enough and x percentage of the united states trucking fleet is sitting at a dock somewhere and the reason they're sitting at a dock somewhere is because it doesn't cost anybody any to pay the drivers or the trucks to sit there so exactly if, if you have this exemption removed and now by law you must account for this time and for the value of the driver sitting on his ass not moving anything just maybe that can be used as leverage against shippers against the walmarts and the procter and gambles and all these different you know cold storage warehouses guys you you keep us sitting here that piles up the hours that means you have to pay overtime that means the rate's going to be higher you want to avoid that get the trucks moving Right. So instead of everybody having to work 60, 70 hours a week, if you remove as much of the detention time as possible, maybe you're only driving, maybe you're only working 50 hours a week. Right. And so now instead of having to pay you out for the extra 10 hours overtime to get you to 60, they're only paying 10 past the 40. So like you can, you have to like think creatively to use this piece of legislation to leverage it, to fix other problems in the industry. Like, do you see what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. And you know, with all the talk of like safety, and such when, when I made the transfer from contractor to postal service, you know, the first night, your first 90 days, everything is, you know, safety, 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 you get get past your 90 because you're still under probation and any small screw up, you know, they, they can cut you loose. Once you make it past your 90, you're, you're pretty much, you know, unfireable, but trying to get past the 90 is super important. So what a lot of the senior guys tell you is slow down, take your time be safe because you don't even realize it when you first start there that you mentally are still in go, go, go mode and trying to go from being paid by the mile to being paid by the hour. It does take some time to like adjust to it mentally because you'll catch yourself sitting in traffic or sitting at a dock somewhere that you'll just kind of grumbling to like, oh, I can't believe this is taking so long. This is taking so long. I got to go. I got to go. But then you just stop and think about it for two seconds. You go, wait a minute. Yeah,
1: if guys are getting paid overtime and that it, game theory comes into play here right so mm-hmm. like oh wow if i'm gonna get paid overtime maybe i don't need to be doing 73 miles an hour everywhere and driving like a maniac and we still see that out there even though fuel prices are sky high there's still people driving at very high rates of fuel consumption i'm not like that i like to drive slow you know, I've been on the road for 25 years. I've got that mentality now. I don't even care about the pay incentives or whatever. I just don't like driving fast. But like if, if, if everybody worried about climate change is worried about fuel consumption and they're worried about safety, well, use this game theory. Use, have, look at the fact that guys are now getting paid overtime as a way to achieve some of those goals or move towards them. People are driving slower now. They're getting better fuel mileage. Um, you know, we're, we we have trucks sitting less because it's going to actually cost the companies being waiting at docks more money, and now they can't do that anymore. You know, so that helps with the supply chains. There's just so many positives that could come from this. However, like I said, we have this mentality on the truck driver side of it. We cannot conceive of actually being paid properly because we're so used to being abused, right? Like yeah. that's been around forever. The trucking companies can't conceive of it because it's like, oh, that's going to cost us money or it's going to make us uncompetitive. Well, if it's the law of the land, the competitiveness factor doesn't matter because everybody's going to have to pay it. Oh, I'm an owner operator. Okay, great. Yeah. Maybe you don't have to pay yourself over time, but the base rates that everybody's getting paid, the, the, the so-called wage floor will increase because all these big company big, big trucking companies with lots of company drivers have to pay overtime so that they're going to have to increase their rates. And that brings up the, the rate floor for everybody else. So like, I, I cannot see how this is bad for anybody, except maybe the shippers that are going to have to pay more. But many of these shippers that would have to pay more could maybe pay less if they organize their systems better so that trucks aren't sitting around all the time. Right. Like, exactly. just, like there, exactly. there, there's so many positives that could come from this that it would
2: make your head spin, but
1: you just have to look at it the right way and think about it a bit.
2: Unfortunately, you know, we got this darn thing called AI trucking, you know, and the benefit of AI truck, you know, it's not the safety, it's not the uh, fuel efficiency, quote, unquote, that these AI trucks are supposed to be. It's payroll. You ain't got to pay a machine, sure. or not yet, unless you're that guy over at Google to believe the Google AI is God. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, all I, all I see is... Changing from a miles-based payment system to an hourly-based payment system is trying to push more and more. You know, you have more. I guess they could probably government could probably tax you on payroll taxes. You now have more hourly employees than you know. Uh, you know, uh, specialized pay. But
1: I'm sure there's lots of various uh, consequences, both intended and otherwise. And I get what you're saying about the automation thing. I wrote this. Yeah. Uh, I wrote a post for this old blog a few years back about the automation question. And one of the things I said was that like, okay, if we take it for granted that automated trucks are coming, and I'm, I'm skeptical of that for numerous reasons we won't get into here. But like, if we take it for granted that they're coming, what about the time between now and the time when, you know, the robots take over the highways and we're all unemployed? Well, it would be a good idea for all of us to build up a little kitty to figure out what we're going to do with ourselves and what better way to do that than actually get
2: paid overtime. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, it, it, and fortunately, the way that these AI companies make it look out, there's, oh, there's going to be a person watching the truck. Folks, it's going to be like the old 1920s AT&T call board. You're going to have one person in front of a big box and they're going to plug into each one of these trucks every once in a while lest they get themselves in trouble, and check on them. It's go- You're going to have one person, I can guarantee, watching over 100 trucks or so.
1: They'll, they'll try and do that, and then it's not going to work, because what's going to happen, and like th- th- this might be a spicy take for Freight Waves and back the truck, but... um. I mentioned this to Justin the other day. Y'all remember seeing the image of this uh, container train coming out of Los Angeles and it stopped somewhere on its way out of greater LA. And while it was stopped, people broke open the containers. And oh, it was yeah. Just packaging and garbage and, and cardboard everywhere. And people were basically looting the trains. Well, what happens when... You know, you have all these trucks going up and down the interstate with no drivers in them, and you have a whole bunch of unemployed people that are really annoyed. Like, let's study our history about the Ludites, right, and what they did to the machines that replaced them. It's, it, it, You know, history doesn't always repeat, but it often rhymes. Um, you're gonna, you're, you're gonna have a lot of vandalism, and, and somewhere else, people were discussing um, automated trucks along the border and cartels, and like, if you know, there's no person in that truck. Then you are not not feeling so bad about messing with it or maybe throwing down a nail or a strip or just shooting the tires out and when it comes to a stop in the middle of nowhere, well, let's pop them trailer doors open and see what we got here
0: you know i'll do you one I'll do you one better uh the riots from two summers ago guys were still in the trucks, and people had no problem getting into the back of those trailers
1: yeah, so i mean the the uh, uh, the automation thing I think. The discussion around that is missing out on a lot of the human element and something you mentioned earlier, Rooster, they're going to have to have somebody in it. Can you imagine, right, like they're already trying to take enough of our interaction with the truck away from us as it is, you know, automatic lane control, front collision avoidance, uh, automatic transmissions. They're basically trying to dumb it down more and more and more. Well, imagine you get in a truck where you don't do anything except sit there and be security if there's a problem. Like, how bored out of your mind are you going to be? What do you think they're going to be willing to pay you to do that? And like, how like nobody's going to want to do this, right? So like, in that interregnum between now and robot trucks, if the AI truck manufacturers think they're going to find willing participants in a new job category of truck babysitter while it's going down the road, um, good luck. You think they got a driver shortage now? Nobody's going to want to do that.
0: Yeah, Plus, it's, all, it's all the it's all the restrictions of a union employee because you know, you, you don't fix the truck, you're just there to, you know, watch it go down the road, but then you don't have any of the union benefits as far as like collectivized bargaining, shop steward on your on your side if something happens and
2: think about it like this. As soon as they get a 100% clean and clear AI driving program built up by one of these companies, there won't be a driver shortage no more.
1: No, that's that won't need trigger, drivers. But- Sure. Once they get to that hundred percent clean AI, the system is perfect. Which I don't, I don't know, man. (laughs) I'm so
0: I'm somewhat skeptical of that. Well, and like the trucks don't have to drive perfectly; they just have to drive better than the human driver. But there's still that ick factor of like, God forbid, one of these things gets into an accident, and you know we see that with the Tesla cars right now. You know they call it autopilot, but it's really just glorified cruise control 2.0. You know who's liable? when the autonomous truck is going down the road and somebody walks into his path and it thinks you know fire hydrant and runs the person over
1: man it's it's all it's it's all Pandora's 53 foot
2: van trailer isn't it <laughs> well they could just they could just do like George is doing you know uh, governor Kemp he signed a, a interstate improvement law into effect basically they're going to be putting in a truck only set of lanes on the i-75 from the 75. 475 interchange right there north of making all the way to atlanta so all they got to do is just know everybody make this separate lane for these ai only trucks to drive themselves in that way they won't have any interaction with four wheelers you know well this this, is that
1: that brings up a very good point rooster so uh, i lived in australia a couple times and uh, australia they have remote control mining equipment and remote control trains Right. So in the the northwest corner of the country in the Hammersley ranges in the Pilbara region, there's a lot of iron ore mines and the trains that haul the iron ore from the mines to the coasts. You know, it could be anywhere from like 200 to 300 miles inland. Um, Some of that stuff goes on truck, but most of it goes on trains. The trains are all remote control. They're operated out of an office in Perth. Now, (laughs) the reason they're able to do that. It's a train on a track. There's no other traffic, right? Yeah. So like if if they're going to do this AI thing and make it palatable to everybody else, they're basically going to have to double up all the interstates because one of the limitations of artificial intelligence is it only really works very good in controlled environments. And as any truck driver know, what's like the least dependable, least controllable environment on earth? It's the road,
0: right? Yeah, so many of these trucks... Well, not just the trucks, but like the automated cruise controls they use now. So I I drive a a Subaru and um, it has like the lane departure detection. And I am constantly fighting with the steering wheel on that thing because depending on what road you're in, if there's construction or if the lines aren't painted correctly, you know, it's jerking you all over the road. So unless, unless every single state highway is painted perfectly and there's nothing obstructing the road, you know, that's what these things rely on to stay, to stay on track.
1: Yeah. Like I say, there's um numerous reasons for skepticism of automation, but uh, I think, I think we had a lot of them uh, as for me, I'm just going to keep staying out in the woods. If you're driving a logging truck or you're doing oil field or running the ice or doing somewhere out in the bush uh, or something with like a value add, like you're running a loader or a winch or something on the truck where you got to be there you're not going to be unemployed. So yeah, if y'all
0: want to stay trucking, and um, get off the road, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. So Gord, we're coming up to about an hour now. Uh, it's been a blast having you on. Can't <laughs> wait to have you on again in the future. Uh, where can people find you out online? Um,
1: well, you used to be able to find me at ghost of Gord on Twitter, um, which was nuked after my advocacy for the freedom convoy. Uh, there might be an alternative one there, but, uh, I don't know. You, you have to find that yourself. Um, I write occasionally at Newsweek. Um, I'm going to be writing for another magazine here coming up soon called compact mag. Um, just type my name into YouTube. There's a couple of my interviews with various people and podcasts I've done. Just look for my name, Gord McGill, M A G I L L. You'll find
0: me. All right. Thanks, Gord. Uh, rooster, what do we got coming up next week?
2: Oh, I was hoping it would be released Friday, but unfortunately with uh, all the <laughs> craziness going on at Supreme Court, I, uh, unfortunately AB5 did not get announced, so that will be breaking news. May add it to the podcast, but uh, next week we have... Next week we got the second edition of the Bat Truck Up newsletter we're going to be talking about. If you've not subscribed, please go... To, over to backthetruckup.com dot and hit that subscription link. It'll be in the bottom of all the articles going forward.
1: This is a supplemental to the Great Rachel Premax Modes
2: newsletter. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I think everybody in FreightWaves has their own newsletter. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to hand it to the Waves guys. They're very productive.
0: Oh, <laughs> there's, lots, there's a lot to talk about in this industry. Yeah
2: uh what what was the joke we was going around you know we thought this was gonna be like just just eight to four job you know banging on a typewriter like john boy walton and now we're slowly hitting the 14 hour mark some days trying to get our stuff out
0: well on weekends
2: (laughs) i I wanted to remind people hey we're still cdl holders we can't work for 14 hours without going to taking a break
1: Well, you you guys have certainly uh, are are certainly showing your internalized trucker work ethic in this new venture, and I'm I'm grateful for it. I love your guys' stuff and
0: I want to thank you very much again for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Come back anytime. Uh, I'm Justin. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can catch us every week at Back the Truck Up. Find us on TikTok at Back the Truck Up, Twitter at Back the Truck, and our website at BackTheTruckUp.com. We will see you guys next week.
2: Thank you.